Hello and welcome to Talk Spooky to Me, the Ghost Story Guys Mail Show. I'm Brennan Storer. I'm Paul Bestall. And this is a show where we get to hear from you, our listeners. Paul, how you doing? I'm doing very well, my friend. Very well. Enjoying the spring sunshine, powering myself through long and arduous dog walks, visiting <laughs> places a man of my age never thought he'd visit. But there we have it. So uh, we're all good. I've survived my first doggy daycare session as well as Theo. So we're all good. Fabulous. And you, you've, both been, uh, you've both been assessed and trained appropriately, I assume? <laughs> Beyond help me. <laughs> did you, I, I need to know, did you have a bow tie like Theo did? Or no. Or a little tie like Theo? No. No. Disappointing. <laughs> I only wear ties for weddings and funerals. That's fair. Those are the only times I also wear a tie. Actually, I, I had to go to a funeral in 2019, and I've been to a lot of funerals in my life. I've known a lot of people who died. And, you know, sometimes you don't know them real well. So you go to pay your respects, but you don't need to put on a tie because no one's going to be looking at you. Mm. No one gives a shit. But then <laughs> in tw 2019, someone passed who, you know, was part of my family. And it was, it was just, it was a real, real ugly situation. And so I had to dress like a human being who was going to a funeral. I had to look, you know, there's a certain way you have to look. Yes. So I spent an uncomfortable amount of time, an amount of time I'm not willing to share on YouTube trying to teach myself how to tie a tie because I, I still, at the age, I'm, I'm now 40 years of age and I still do not know how to tie a tie. It went out of my head the second after the funeral, but I spent, again, a while teaching myself how to do this shit. It was a bad, bad scene. <laughs> it's a skill. I can, I can tie a tie without looking. Really? Mm. So is it like a Windsor knot kind of thing? Or what's your, what's your go-to? Uh, down, round, round, up, over, and through. Okay. Okay. I got to, clearly I got to practice this more. It's like an RPG. I just got to grind it out. <laughs> well, we, I, we had to wear them at school. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. See, I, when I went to school, I just mostly wore no fear t-shirts. Yeah. Well, most of the time you did. It was kind of a, you were a rebel if you had your tie loose a bit. And by the fifth year, I didn't give a shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was mixing it up. I'd always wear a tie, but it was supposed to be plain red and I used to wear like polka dots. And nice. Pushing the boundaries with my denim shirt, my chunky cords. I just didn't care. This is wearing tennis shoes. This guy's a badass. Well, he always wore trainers. Oh, of course. <laughs> Pardon me. I'm going to play football four times every day at school. <laughs> Man, our school <laughs> You tell me you dated in high school and our school experiences are the diametric opposite of each other. <laughs> well, yes, of course. Okay. That, that officially, we're enemies now. We're actually... That's <laughs> why I don't make the rules, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I did a lot of things you're not supposed to do at school. I did too, but it was mostly just making people uncomfortable. I once got caught having a having a joint on at lunchtime by a dinner lady, and I said, "Oh well, I don't go to school here anyway." She went, "Well, you've got to leave the school grounds." So I had to run all the way around, which was a bit hard because it was a bit high. I had to run all the way around <laughs> back to the the back entrance of the school to get in to register to then go home again. Fantastic! It's hard work, Skyvin. <laughs> <laughs> I was such a boringly well-behaved kid. The most interesting thing that happened as far as that goes was I once, the the lunch monitor said, uh, I asked her a question, she answered it, and I said, oh, you, I'm surprised you knew that because I was a little bastard. And she said, well, I know everything. And I said, what's the meaning of life? And she said, to exist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shit, you win. Years <laughs> later, she's not wrong. Mm -hmm. I just thought, damn, okay, you, you got my number, lady. But no, there was there were no joints in Young Brent's past. Yeah, it was a bit crazy in those days. But um, my brother's five years younger than me, so by the time I'd left and he'd gone to school, by the time he was coming to leave, people were being suspended for dealing drugs on the playground, which never happened when I was there. <laughs> Things fall apart. The centre cannot hold. <laughs> it was crazy. But um, yeah, we, we thought we were rebels, but... Um, we paled into significance into the generation that followed behind us. <laughs> Continuing the theme of opposite day, it was the reverse for me because when I got into high school, it was at the tail end of this truly terrifying, violent generation. I might even have told this on, on the show before, but 
when I uh, when I got into so when I was getting to grade eight, which is when high school starts, and I hear at least my cousins were graduating, and one of my cousins was actually quoted in a newspaper article talking about the violent fights at the high school. He was quoted as saying, "If blood is not drawn, we do not consider it a fight." And <laughs> that is the that is the environment <laughs> that I was going into in high school. And the very next year, it's almost like something flipped because when my cousins were going, I, I would hear stories. I still hear stories. I think I've told some of them on the show, but you know, th- there was a guy, uh, we'll call him, we'll call him Bill. What's his name? But Bill was wildly unstable. Again, this was a time before we, we thought about these things. Bill was just, he was, sometimes he was cool and sometimes he would beat the shit out of you. And you knew <laughs> when he was in a bad mood because he would wear what he called his shit kickers, <laughs> these cowboy boots. <laughs> and I guess one day he came back to class drunk and the teacher went and got the principal. The principal came and got him. And supposedly he looked at the teacher and said, I'll see you after school. And this guy was terrified. <laughs> and uh, we actually had this thing called Herbie Day, which I was terrified of. It was this initiation thing. They put every single grade eight student through. It was sanctioned by the school. And they would do things like they would force you into wear, you know, they'd force you to wear a dress. They would... um force you to eat weird shit. They would, the, like the, the grade 12s would do this to the grade 8s. I remember there was a uh, kid was forced to push a penny all the way down the main hallway with his nose. <laughs> just really degrading shit. And, and again, it, this was just a done thing and you couldn't skip it. You were, this was like, you, there was a demerit system. And I was terrified of this because I was a pudgy kid, right? And, and, you know, I'm very kind of socially awkward, kind of socially isolated. So the idea of having to be humiliated in front of a, in front of a bunch of other people was a thousand times worse than, you know, than it would be anyways. Mm. And then I think someone got hurt is what happened. I think it someone got- Surprisingly. Yeah, right? <laughs> and so they, they changed it to buddy day. So instead of getting a slave to kick the shit out of essentially for the course of a day, uh, your grade 12 got a buddy. And I, I, I can't say that without thinking of Liam Neeson in the Lego movie, but I digress. <laughs> and don't worry, folks, we are going to get to the email eventually, I swear. <laughs> but- the, the, yeah, so we were given a buddy. And of course, the grade 12s didn't give a shit about this. They wanted a toy to, you know, to break. So most of them fucked off out of town and they went to go do something else. But we still had to go to buddy day up at the lake. And so my buddy specifically thought, well, screw this, I'm leaving. And so I was just wandering around the lake while all these grade 12s still tried to get away with some kind of physical abuse. It was really kind of horrifying. Like I tell people this story and it's, it's one of those stories from my childhood that make me they gave me that reaction of, are you okay? And I'm reminded that, oh, no, a lot of stuff that happened when I was a kid that was normal was not actually, no, it was not okay. It was very bad. But you just come to accept it as okay. <laughs> well, most people behaved at my school because our headmaster was called Michael Myers. <laughs> oh, that would do it. Yep, that would yeah. do it. And he was enormous as well. He was about six foot five. Holy shit. Yes. But the strangest thing that happened at our school, I think, while I was there, we always had other schools try and turn up for a fight. Um, which was a bit crazy because there were some very strange people that lived in the area I grew up who just liked fighting all the time. So they'd just join in, even though they'd left school. Really? Um, so they would just like have rumbles, basically? <laughs> yes, there's a school here. Come on. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Get on, blower. Everybody turning up in the Ford Escorts. <laughs> you lived in like the dystopian 80s version of West Side Story. <laughs> Let's fucking get him, lads. <laughs> and uh, so one one, uh, one Monday, we all got brought into the main assembly hall and we said, right, okay, Um there's been an incident in school over the weekend. Someone's broke in and, and there's been some graffiti and, and whatever. And contrary to what you may have heard, um, it's it's not a laughing matter. Anyway, it turned out that uh, one of the former pupils who enjoyed fighting all the time, now he'd left school, along with other antisocial things, <laughs> along with a couple of cohorts, had broken into the school and... Um, uh, <laughs> were basically arrested. Two of them were arrested on the way home because they'd nicked the school safe and they were walking <laughs> down the walking down the road at three in the morning with a safe in a shopping trolley. Um, Jesus which did, not, not very conspicuous at all. Um, and and uh, but what they'd done is they'd 
they got some pens or something and they'd they'd said start here and they'd done this kind of treasure hunt around the around the school <laughs> and uh, went all the way around no keep going around here and it went all the way to the headmaster's desk <laughs> and it went congratulations you won and uh, there was a big arrow pointed to the desk and somebody had a massive poo on the desk <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I hope they left a giant shit. And I thought, no, that's crass. I won't say that. <laughs> yes, it was one of those memorable moments. It's like when uh, we, we used to go up there playing at weekends because it was really good for BMX in our school. And uh, <laughs> we once went up and we had this kid who used to hang about with us who weren't very good at BMX in. But he joined in and he didn't have a real didn't have a really good BMX either. It was one of them that, you know, if he, <laughs> if he didn't jump too high and he landed, it probably snap in half. Um, <laughs> So anyway, we're doing these, we're doing these uh, runs down this big hill, like, and if you had to do it just right, you know, if you touch the sides either way with your pedals, it'd flip you off or whatever, and you know, you go skittering either into the giant sports hall wall, or you'd go flying into the concrete. You know, it's how you live, you know. And uh, <laughs> we'd all done it, and then this kid whose name was Biscuit, which oh, is another no. story, another story for another night. Um, <laughs> he he was like, Ooh! and and he was wobbling before he'd set it at the top, and he set off, and his pedal caught, and he and he flipped it, but the pedal kind of came back and just went bang straight into his knee and ripped a massive hole in his knee. Oh no! And he and he was just laid on the floor like that. <laughs> Somebody went, oh look at your knee! I can see your knee bones. Oh, God. <laughs> and luckily, his mum didn't live far away, so somebody pedalled around and said, oh, but y- your son's broke his knee. <laughs> and the ambulance, ambulance and said, all oh, right, right, and everybody just fucked off, right, just left him. <laughs> oh, God. Well, technically, we were trespassing, so, you know, you want to get caught. <laughs> no, that's fair, priorities. Oh. You gotta, there, 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 are risks you, there are risks you shoulder when you partake in these things, and one of them is you might get left behind when the fuzz turns up. Yeah, Halcyon days. It was a... I'm not, no, it wasn't a better time, Paul, but <laughs> they're fun memories. They are indeed. Sweet, sweet memories. <laughs> Speaking of better times, it's time to check the mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. All right, so this first message comes from Keith. We live just outside a little village not far from Ashbourne in Derbyshire. We're off a single track unlit lane with the closest neighbor around 100 meters away. My wife got up to go to the toilet one night, and on the way back to bed, she had a quick look out the bedroom window towards the paddock. She said she could see glowing dots by the hedgerow towards the lane end of the garden, some twenty-odd meters away. She said they were like cat's eyes or a fox's eyes, catching the light. She said it was quite dark, but couldn't quite work out where the light to reflect off them would have come from. She could make out a dark mass to it, but couldn't make out a shape. As she was looking at it, she realized there were actually two more dots on top, and two more on top of that as if it had six eyes. Yeah, I know how this sounds. She then thought some of my work trousers with white high-vis reflective strips had somehow ended up there. She said after a short time of trying to work out what it was, she realized whatever it was seemed to be looking at her. At that, it turned and went through the hedge and was gone. This was about two years back, and whether it was something with young on its back, I don't know, but she was pretty freaked out by it, though, and I have no idea. Except I have seen drawings of a shuck with six eyes. Who knows? In another, she was driving home after dropping off our grandson, and she said something went over the car roof, flying if you will. She just picked up a shape in the glow from the headlights. She said it had tentacles, like a jellyfish. She said it was flapping as well, maybe an owl carrying prey to give the impression of tentacles, but she also said it definitely didn't look like any type of bird. The last one was a few weeks back, and she phoned me at work because it shook her up so much. She was coming down into this little village about 8.30 on a Sunday night, when she said something ran out in front of her and off down the side of a cottage. She described it as black on all fours, I thought a dog at first, quite large and quick, but it was running only on three legs, similar to how an ape would run with an arm off the ground. She said that was the only way she could explain how it moved. I have absolutely no idea what that could have been. So thank you, Keith. Uh, Paul, what do you think? Well, that particular area of the country is very prevalent for black shooks. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, the leak to Ashbourne Road 
is a notoriously haunted stretch of road in that particular area with numerous phantom hitchhikers and strange apparitions being seen either by the side or on the road alongside the occasional shuck. So uh, nothing around there surprises me in the least. That's really interesting. And in in, in a great little coincidence, uh, next week's show, episode 162, I think it is, is going to be uh, a second Black Dogs episode. Whoa. Yes, sir. So we're, Luke, me and Luke are digging out some uh, some Black Dog stories and, oh, there you go. Paul has Black Dog folklore right in front of him. So he will be, we, we will be loaded for bear with Black Dog stories and Paul will have pockets of folklore and be giving it out like candy. <laughs> I'd be like the child catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Glad you clarified that. <laughs> yeah, it's probably one of them films that hasn't transcended across <laughs> across the rest of the world as it did here. Um, famously, didn't make a penny in profit until 2003 or something. Really? Mm. Do, you, do you know Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? I know the name. I've never seen it. Dick Van Dyke. Oh, okay. It, was this one of, another one of his stellar English accents like Mary Poppins? Cool, blimey, course it was. <laughs> Maori Poppins. Yeah. <laughs> Straight alive. <laughs> Stimmy time. The child snatcher thing makes sense, you know, because I, I, of course, I've been doing this improv class, and in one of the first classes, there's a Scottish guy who I, I started hanging out with, and we had to do this, this exercise where someone goes into this middle of the circle, and they, they say, I am a thing. So they'll say, you know, I am a playground. And then someone else will have to, I know it's improv shit, folks, just roll with me. So then someone else steps in and goes, I'm a tree. Because what, what would be around a playground? Tree. Okay. And then he stepped in and said, I'm a child snatcher. I, I, I just laughed because it was dark and hilarious. But I, <laughs> I didn't realize it had, like, there was a cultural thing he was pulling from. It wasn't just him being, you know, a weirdo. Again, very funny weirdo. But uh, yeah, I, I forgot that was... Uh, I didn't realize that was a chitty-chitty bang-bang thing. I think if you ask any British person of a certain age what their most terrifying childhood memory is, he will often appear. Oh, okay. It's the way he used to sniff, going, because he had a big nose. Mm, Children, I smell children. Yikes. He used to trick them. He used to pretend he was selling sweets, but it wasn't sweets. He'd tell them to come inside, and it wasn't. It was a prison on wheels. Wow, that's, I mean, that, that's not even subtle. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very effective film. But, yeah, it was a massive, massive British film. They spent loads of money on it. Dick Van Dyke was obviously massively successful in the 60s. So everybody was expecting it to do great guns, and it absolutely bombed, and it it became a much-loved film by being shown every bank holiday and Christmas in the UK. I, I know Nick really likes it, I think. I, I just, uh, somehow I've never never gotten around to seeing it. Yes. What's he called now? Caracas Potts, his character? Oh, Caracas Potts. That's it, Caracas Potts, yes. Uh, okay. Truly scrumptious, you're truly, truly scrumptious. Lots of songs about sweets and steam engines and stuff. Paul Sings is my new favorite part of the mini shows. <laughs> chitty, chitty, bang, bang, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, we love you. Ooh, huh? <laughs> I'm telling you, folks, strap in. This is going to be a regular feature. <laughs> Paul des- describes major films. To- oh, no, that was a joke from uh, a bonus conversation for patrons. That's not going to make sense to you. That's too bad. I'm not editing it out. <laughs> Sign up to find out more. That's it. Patreon.com slash ghost story guys. <laughs> Or sign up on Apple. So next up is from Jessica. And Jessica says, Brennan and Paul, I listen to y'all at work and absolutely love both of your voices. You two keep me calm when dealing with my job. In an older episode, you had a listener reach out about feeling seen and y'all's empathy is just amazing. In your discussion, Brennan said sometimes people aren't who you think they are or something to that effect. I personally had a friend of 10 plus years try to drive a wedge between me and my family after starting to date one of my brothers. I had become a single mum at that point and was still living in terror of my child's father. To say the least that it exploded into a family argument and left a gaping hole where trust used to be. But hey, 
I now have a great drinking game when my brother and her show up. I drink any time she says something I know isn't true. <laughs> Never realised how much she did that until I cut her out. Forgive the vagueness, I still struggle talking about my struggles publicly. I just wanted to say thank you for truly caring about your listeners. Well, Jessica, I, thanks for sharing that. And uh, I mean, again, we, we try, right? Like it's, I don't know. It, I, I, I don't want to be the guy who says, I care, because that always seems disingenuous. But, you know, I, I, I do care. We both do. And uh, sometimes, mm. man, you just got to kind of cut people off as best as best you can. Yes, you know I absolutely. Mean? And I don't recall saying that sometimes people aren't who you think they are, but that, that, I mean, that is absolutely correct. And one bit of advice I got a long time ago is, is when someone shows you who they are, listen, mm. I, there's only been a handful of times that's happened in my life, but it's always cost me, you know, trust in someone when you, you don't, I don't know. There was something that happened. No, never mind. I'm not going to say it. But uh, anyways, no, Jessica, uh, good for you for cutting her off. Um, although careful, you're going to give yourself alcohol poisoning from the sound of it if you drink every time she lies. So, you know. It's a good game, that. Everybody's got somebody like that they know in their lives who just talks absolutely. We used to know somebody, and I will guarantee if you'd seen a dog with five legs, he'd seen one with six that were juggling fire. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine once called that two clowns syndrome. If you'd seen, <laughs> you've seen a clown, he's seen two clowns. Yeah. <laughs> we just call it dickhead syndrome. <laughs> has a lot of different symptoms <laughs> i used to i used to i didn't work with him it, he worked at a place i used to work at and i used to go by and shoot the shit with people who, who who i knew who were still there and this guy was hired and this place had a really hard time keeping people uh for reasons i won't get into publicly mm. but this guy was such a knob and <laughs> he was just such a deeply sad man and he lied constantly. You, I don't, a long time ago, I don't think it's a thing anymore. I want to say Visa or MasterCard used to have this thing where every month a different MasterCard holder would be selected randomly and your balance would be forgiven. Mm. And if you believed him, he'd won that about three different times. <laughs> Actually, the best story this guy ever told, in fact, one of the best stories I've ever heard, is I, I used to work with this guy at the same place. He was this German guy. His name was Richard. If you know me, well, I mean, if you know me, you already know the story. But Richard was the, just the best. I loved working with Richard. He was this, el this older German guy who just put up with no shit. And we, we were just, we were grouchy about the same thing. So we got along really well. <laughs> and, but uh, Richard was the band leader for the Alpenrose band. And they were, didn't have a drummer. And this guy said, well, I'm, I'm a really good drummer. And Richard said, cool. Okay. Come to practice. Well, let's see what you got. This guy couldn't play drums. And he pursued the lie all the way to the ground. He went to practice. He sat at the kit and showed everyone he did not have a single ounce of rhythm in his entire body, nor did he understand how drums work. <laughs> and you just, in a lot of ways, you got to commit. You got to respect the commitment to be that, that eagle plummeting towards the ground and just say, nope, fuck it. I'm going all the way down. I, feel, I just feel like you got to respect that to a certain degree. <laughs> It'd have been good if it had just turned up and just gone, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> like bam, minutes. bam, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he might have. I don't know. All I know is, again, Richard, he would never talk badly about someone, but he had this very particular way of adjusting his like upper lip and his mustache would move, and mm. you just, he was not impressed. He <laughs> <laughs> hmm. just, hmm, he would make that sound, hmm, like, like Bert and Ernie, hmm. And just, you knew, yeah, he was, he was not impressed. <laughs> yeah, that's some, that's some grade A bollocks right there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right, so this next one is from Haley, and this was a comment on Patreon. This was on the release of uh, some bonus content. Haley said, thanks for this. I've woken up with really bad anxiety, and listening to you both chat has really helped. Paul, I think there was a chocolate festival in York Easter weekend. That's probably why the train was so busy. I was down in Leeds visiting my dad and thought about going. Also, totally agree with you about Edinburgh Castle. I live about an hour away, so have done the tourist thing with friends and family and think Stirling Castle is way better. If you're back up in Scotland again, the train from Edinburgh to Stirling only takes about 50 minutes. Stirling is a bit run down, but you've got the castle and the Wallace Monument. It's worth going just to see the hideous statue of Mel Gibson outside as William Wallace. Oh, and you've also got Bannockburn around the corner. Anyways, thanks again both. I could listen to you both chat for hours. Oh, Haley, thank you so much. That's, that's really sweet. And you know, now you have the mini show, so technically you can. 
Excellent. Well, it was it was crazy anyway. It's crazy busy, but uh, luckily my knowledge because I've been to York tons because obviously one of my best mates lived there for a, for a few years, so I probably go up about once a month. So I've visited many of its hostelries because York is very famous for having a pub for every day of the year. Really? Yeah. And you've tested the soda, I assume. I've tested some of the better ones. Yes. Yes. Ah, fair. One of the particular highlights was being in a pub. Uh, it was called the Blue Ball, the Old Blue Ball. Beautiful pub. Proper old man's pub. No, right. only five seats. Oh, you have wow. to stand up everywhere else. Very small. Literally, you couldn't fit more than 20 people into it. So basically, if you got in there, you were in there for at least a good hour. Even if you wanted to get out, it'd take you an hour to get from the bar to the door because it'd be that packed. And, <laughs> right. uh, and they've got this weird thing in York where they've all got pork pies for sale on, on bar. So you get a pork pie and some mustard or something. Get a pint of pint of fresh ale. Our next missive is from a long-time listener, Erin. And Erin says, Quick question for both of you guys. What are your favourite or a few of your favourite episodes of Mysteries and Monsters? Would you like to go first or shall I? I'll let you. Hold okay. me up. So uh, and yeah, anything with Paul Sinclair, him and, him and Paul have really great chemistry. So those are just good episodes to listen to because it's a great conversation between two people who clearly like each other. Um, also, I really like the Orang Pendek episode, uh, <laughs> which is 212 with uh, Richard Freeman, just because they went to, was it Sumatra? Yes. Yeah. And just hearing the details of how all that works and how like cryptid hunts go in countries like that, like that was really, really interesting. Uh, and Richard Freeman seems like a good dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, another really interesting one was 139, uh, Monster Quest with Doug mm. Highchick. <laughs> and that in that one, I remember, I think you were talking about the rewilding of Britain at one point. Yes. And I just remember thinking that there's so much knowledge here. It just, I, I, you know, it's like more people should be listening to this show. I mean, you have a great audience already, but it's like more people should be listening to this because there's so much more than paranormal here. There's just this, like, this massive knowledge base. And again, like really just collegial conversation. Um, so those are, yeah, I would say those are my favorites. And, and the Paul Sinclair episodes are 39, 69, 95, 150, and 225. Hmm. Well, hmm. I always enjoy speaking with David Weatherly. Uh, that's always a good conversation. Lyle Blackburn's another one who's always a deeply interesting man. Uh, I mean, whew. I mean, obviously, these days, I look back to having the opportunity to speak to Linda Godfrey twice. Of course. I'm quite proud of the Olympic Project episode, which I think is 109. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. I think that's when I proved my Bigfoot chops to, uh, to people that I hold in high esteem. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure, really. I think Richard, was it Richard Doty you were saying was a really challenging one because you really had to be on your game in terms of your knowledge? Yes, yeah. Yeah, you've got to be. When, you, when you're when you speaking with a, a doctor of clinical psychology, you can't just kind of pull bullshit out there, can you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, well, you might think that, but it's not got any evidence of it. So thinking is not proof, <laughs> sadly. <laughs> yes. I feel like there's a lot of shows in our industry who would do well to remember that. But I always like to be prepared anyway, regardless. But sometimes you've got to put a bit of extra effort in and, and, and stuff. And while it's not, I'll never never fly by the seat of my pants because I'm my harshest critic in regards to whether I think it's good or not, regardless. So, uh, yeah, you've, I don't know, really. Um, I've had some really, really interesting conversation, conversations with people that I've just, afterwards, I've just gone, bloody hell. Terry Lovelace is another one. Oh, Devil's Den. Yeah. Because that, that left me a bit shaken afterwards. There's not many conversations I've had with people that have freaked me out a bit, but um, that did, I think, because uh, he seems like a very genuine, straight-up man who has no reason to lie about what happened to him, especially with what he's achieved in his career. So, yeah, who knows? I'm just I'm, I'm always happier for other people to tell me what they think their favourite is rather than me thinking about it over these almost 250 episodes now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, folks, I don't think it can be overstated how much prep Paul does. Like I, I'm a very, I'm a perfectionist, you know? And when I started doing my interview show, Largely the Truth, I asked Paul a bunch of questions about how he prepares for stuff because I wanted to be prepared, as prepared as he was or as close to as possible for when I was interviewing people on my show. 
And so like, just to you, I, I'm, I think it's a huge inspiration. Like that's, you know, I do weird together now with Joseph Camo and, and I, before I, we watch, before we talk about a movie, I will watch not only the movie, I'll watch as many of the directors, other films as I have time to watch. I'll read interviews with them. I'll listen to podcasts with them. I'll do hours of research just to talk about a 90 minute, you know, horror movie. And I do all that because of, because I was inspired to do that by Paul. So if you're looking for someone to take a, a, a cue from in terms of how to do a podcast right, Paul is fucking great at what he does. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the key things as well for me is I, there, there's a way to ask a question. And I think if you've got someone who's giving up their time to come on your show for your benefit, your audience's benefit, then the very least you can do is at least either know what the fuck they're talking about, read what they've released, or watch what they're in, rather than just going, so, Bigfoot, ooh, it's a bit weird, isn't it? You know? Oh, yeah. Because word soon gets around. <laughs> Don't go on that dickhead show. He doesn't know anything. Yeah. Oh, I mean, man, when I did, uh, like one of the last people I had on my show, I had the, uh, what's her name? Um, the Adams Family. <laughs> Not those ones. <laughs> Morticia won't take my calls anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, the, they were the people who directed films like Hellbender or um, The Deeper You Dig. They're a, a family who makes, uh, makes horror movies together. And I listened to one of the shows they did. Uh, I, I, watched, I literally watched all of their movies, all 10 of their movies. And I, I read a shitload of stuff and I uh, listened to some podcasts they were on. And I was just so fucking stunned by how bad some of the questions were. You know, people saying things like, oh, so this is your second movie, right? Nope. Not even fucking close. I mean, they were very, very diplomatic. They're very kind people. But um, yeah, I was shocked at how unprepared some of these people were. And I just, I don't under, like, I don't know how you convince yourself that you're doing a good job when that's the approach you take. There's a lot of media that's just like that, though, isn't it? You know, they ask banal questions that unprepared. I mean, one of the other things I do is I will always watch at least three or four interviews that that person's done on that particular topic and then go, right, well, we're not talking about any of that. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Because then you, you can avoid or, or you can summarize, if it's germane to what you're going to be discussing going forward, you can kind of summarize it for them and use it as part of your next question. You know, so like, oh yeah, so you guys come from, I mean, this is just a made up thing, but like, yes, you guys are from Weehawken, New Jersey. You started making movies when you were 15. And then that gets all the bullshit details out of the way. They can go, yeah, that's true. And then if they, there's like an anecdote they want to throw in on top of that, then they can. But you're not saying, so tell me, tell me about when did you start making movies? Because that, or whatever, you know, because most of the time it's fucking boring for them because they've, they've probably done a bunch of these interviews. <laughs> and odds are, yeah, it, it, the answer's not going to be interesting because it's just going to be a list of names and dates. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Always, always learn from what others do. Or don't do, as the case may be. So thank you, Aaron. This next message comes from Hannah. Hannah says, Dear Brennan and Paul, I've been listening to your podcast for well over a year and a half now. I discovered it working retail when I would stock and unload trucks. It had everything I was interested in, and I honestly loved listening to Brennan speak. Thank you very much. I took you with me to my new job where I'm now fully caught up and wait with bated breath every Tuesday morning for a new episode to drop. Well, now you don't even have to wait for that, Hannah. I was listening to the most recent podcast a week or two ago. Wish you were haunted. And a lot of what you spoke about on your mental health being at its worst and moving to Montreal as a hard reset really resonated with me. I've been really struggling with my own mental health and physical wellness, and hearing you say that really put it into perspective that I need a change. I've gotten complacent in the way I live, and I find it hard to complete basic cleaning tasks. I talked to my mom, and in four months I'm going to be moving out on my own with my sister and best friend to a place super close to my current job. I'm really excited for the new beginnings this will provide and cannot wait to start this journey. Thank you guys for the wonderful content and for the conversations about your own well-being. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have this new change to look forward to. Hannah, I got to say, I, thank you. I, like I, you know, Paul and I have talked about this sometimes where uh, I, I almost, I was kind of considering giving up podcasting for a while just because, you know, the, like it was becoming, yeah, for a lot of reasons. There's just some stuff going on and, you know, like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get into it, but I, I considered it. And, and this is not that long ago. And I obviously I didn't do that. And one of the reasons is because of messages like that, 
you know, because it, it, I don't, I just can't think of anything better than that. Because like nothing beats that getting paid to do shit. I mean, that's nice, but that's not real change. And when you find out that you've helped make a real change in someone's life, man, that's, that, that's, that's huge. It's humbling when you get yeah, man. anything like that. I'm always, when anybody takes time to say anything to me, I always find it deeply humbling and uh, it's a good way of keeping your feet on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Good luck on your, on your, uh, new beginnings, Hannah. That's so cool. Yes. Let's hope it's better than when I moved to Sheffield and found in the first property we'd taken over that somebody dropped a bag of sugar about six months earlier and had created a crystalline structure that could not be removed. <laughs> and if you do find that, Hannah, you will become Lord of the Ants. So, <laughs> the only thing that surprised me is the fucking flat hadn't turned into an ant hill. Oh, they were underneath there. That was just their high holy temple. Ah, oh, is that what I heard every night? That knowing, knowing, knowing. That was exactly it. <laughs> Thank you, Hannah. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. Next up is from Cherie. Greetings, lovely spooky people. The story about the grandma who passed away, and it seemed like the land just changed after a passing story. I was so moved by this whole listener story. When I moved to my husband's family property, Nobody had worked the farmland in years. It was nice, but never seemed to be completely alive. Now, after nine years of me growing on it, tending to it, talking to the hillside and all the creatures on it, I feel its pull every day. Maybe two or three years ago, I sent my husband's grandparents there with me. Like they said, you're doing a great job and we're happy. It only happened one time, but that feeling was so powerful. I think I've imprinted my soul on this land as well, and she might weep a little when my bones get too tired to go on. My youngest and I leave out offerings to the fairies and the forest creatures. We always give thanks for our beautiful bounty, and that we're allowed to live on such a beautiful hillside. Bright blessings, and thank you for all your entertaining stories and laughs. Well, Sheree, thank you. I mean, Sheree's a friend at this point. Sheree is one of the few uh, the few people who listen to this show who has my phone number. And... um. I, I'm not surprised that you've taken care of the land, Cherie. I mean, you're a cool person. You take care of pretty much everyone and everything. So it, uh, the land is lucky to have you there. Um, actually, Cherie's, Cherie's daughter, I, I don't know if she would want me to say her name, so I, I won't, but uh, she, I was lucky enough to read one of the, she wrote a story that won a competition, and I was lucky enough to read it. And a very, very talented writer, and I'm so excited to see where she goes in life because she's just such a gifted young woman, and she's just kicking all kinds of ass. So they're, they're just a very special family full of people. Again, I'm not surprised that the land has taken them. Yeah, getting out amongst the greenery is good for the soul. Are we talking about marijuana when we say greenery? <laughs> then yeah, maybe. Stoned gardening, coming soon <laughs> on the Travel Channel. I used to work with a guy. He said the best sleeps he ever had was were in his grow room. So, hey. <laughs> now, is that sleeping or is that passing out? Well, I didn't ask. He seemed very committed, so I thought it better not belittle it. But, yeah, you know, it could be one or the other. <laughs> so thank you, Cherie. Our next message is from Lee. Lee says, hey, Brennan Paul. My name is Lee, and I'm the host of the Slavic Supernatural podcast. I'm an Aussie living in Poland telling spooky tales from the Slavic countries. Your podcast has been one of the inspirations for me to start my own, along with our Scouser friend Kev. I've loved your podcast from the very early days and cackle out loud multiple times each episode. Listening to the most recent episode, The Prison of Sleep, and hearing you talk about the Min Min Lights made me point like Leo DiCaprio at my computer and screech with excitement. My grandma and granddad saw the Min Min. Back in the day, they hooked up their caravan and would take to the dusty interior of Australia. Once, they were in the wilds of North Queensland, near Winton. They told us that they saw the Min Mins as a floating ball of light that kept pace with their car, never slowing or speeding up, and did so for about an hour. Then it just disappeared. Now, they were farm-hardened, no-nonsense rural Aussie-type folks, so it was very rare to hear them talk woo-woo, so I believe them. None of this bioluminescence or owl bullshit. Yeah, hear, hear, Lee. A shameless plug here, but I stylized their story on my own podcast on my 2022 Halloween special. 
And Lee has given us a link, which I'll put in the show notes. And Lee, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I fully intend to. And we'll have to have you on the mini show sometime to have a conversation about all things creepy and folkloric because uh, I'm fascinated by the Slavic countries and would love to hear what you have to say about it. Mm, See, men, men, lights, say no more. This next message is from Michael. Hello, Brennan and Paul. All caught up now and just listened to episode 160. It was amazing to hear you read my story after listening to you for so long. I shared the link with my friends who were with me that night. Just to answer a couple of your questions that you asked. I'm from Wiltshire in the UK, and I'm sorry I didn't mention this before, I completely forgot. Kings Lane is where we camped, is in Wanborough, which is Swindon. Not so funnily enough, my ex-girlfriend's mum died on this lane also after the event. Strange but true. The church in question is St Andrew's Church in Wanborough. I have a few more stories that we've experienced through the years, but we always did go looking for it. In regards to Dave Barrett, I never realised he had died either. Myself and a friend went to go see him live do a ghost talk at the Oasis Centre in Swindon as well. Now in my 40s, I've been asked by a couple of friends if I'd like to go stay in haunted hotels and such. You guys have relit that spark for me. It's good to know, but we're not liable for any health issues associated with you returning to the paranormal field. <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what that would in- what that would entail, but uh, good to have that coverage. Yes. So it's like when people are talking about stuff and they go, well, I'd just like to point out that we don't condone trespassing or, or vandalism on this show. Wow. I want to think of other th- what are the other things that we don't condone? <laughs> Swindon, the home of the magic roundabout. Is that is it? Yes, it's a roundabout with nine other roundabouts around it. Okay, I have to look up a picture of this now. Just put Swindon magic roundabout and that'll blow your mind, thinking how the hell does anybody drive over that? All right, I am watching a YouTube video from Wired. What the fuck is that? That's <laughs> the magic roundabout. Open your mind. What? You, you know those... No, no. No, that, that that looks like Inception. I refuse to believe that human beings use this. This, this, is, this is a prank. No, it's real. No, I ref- it looks like one of those Richard Scary books. <laughs> it's like a, watching someone do a football play. They're trying to illustrate with lions how this thing works. And I, I, it's just like an Ouroboros. Uh, no, absolutely not. I'll include a link in the show notes, but no, this is, this is not real. This is some kind of conspiracy. It's one of those strange foibles of the British road system, like the man who refused to sell his farm, so the motorway has to go around it. So he has one lane on one side and one lane on the other side. That I can wrap my head around. But this is, <laughs> I don't know. This is, it, this is like, what is it? They always talk about Lovecraft, non-Euclidean geometry. This is the non-Euclidean geometry of traffic circles. Yeah. If you do it wrong, it opens a black hole. that will. I swallow, believe it. Which will swallow a Stonehenge. Well, I assume you've got a fake Stonehenge there because I just refuse to believe that there's anyone who has ever navigated this thing correctly. I just assume it's a constant conflagration of twisted metal and terrified screams. <laughs> well, Wiltshire is a strange place. Obviously, the home of Glastonbury and Avebury and uh, Warminster isn't too far either. Another area of high strangeness. All caused by this roundabout. It wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if the roundabout was built before the Warminster thing incidents. Uh, okay, now, you, you can't just leave that. I got to know what the Warminster thing is. The Warminster thing was a name given to a UFO that visited Warminster, and it became a hot spot. Some people were coming from all over the place to come to Warminster to UFO spot for, for ages. I've forgotten the gentleman's name. There was a chap who was the sort of fulcrum of it all and everything around it revolved through him. Um, and there was lots of stuff. There was a few, couple of fakeries, but it didn't take away mass sightings and things. So it was um, a very, very strange flap in that particularly sleepy part of the United Kingdom. Well, the, the roundabout caused the Warminster thing. That's just, that's canon now. Mm-hmm. Well, it's one of those magic things like... Uh, Stocksbridge Bypass opening on Friday the 13th. These little things that you miss until you dig into the details. Telling you. This next message comes from Jen. Jen says, Dear Ghost Story Guys, I'm writing to ask you and your listeners for advice. I have an eight-year-old son. 
and ever since he could express experience through words, he has been telling me about the spirits in his room. They are bright and hover in the corner of his room outside his closet. The way he describes them, I imagine a large fairy-like spirit clothed in a glow of soft fiber optics. It's been a while since I've heard about the spirits, but now he's talking about footsteps in the lower level of our house. Walking up the stairs and stopping just before his door. And, this is totally new to me, he is saying that he sees a white water filling the hallway outside his doorway. It never comes into his room, but acts like liquid filling up the hallway space. That's some freaky shit. I have no idea. My husband and I have always smelled phantom smells and seen shadowy white figures in our kitchen, but what is this white water? He didn't mind the stuff he saw when he was really little, but now he has to hide under his blankets at night. I told him that this is a good way to protect himself until we know how to handle it. I burned sage and prayed in each room of this house, but he told me it didn't work. I believe him and want to help him feel safe, but I don't know exactly what to do. I don't want to meddle in things I don't fully understand. Have you or anyone you've talked to heard of this white water apparition? Do you or your listeners know a proper way I can help my kid? I would appreciate guidance on where to begin. Jen, I gotta be honest with you, I have no idea. I always hate to be the guy to suggest this, but I mean, I, I always think it's good to eliminate possible neurological causes of these things. I'm not saying that, you know, there's anything wrong, but I'm saying if you haven't eliminated that, I think it might be wise to, to consider that. Uh, but apart from that, I, I really don't know. Paul, do you have any thoughts? I've never heard of that ever, ever at all. No. I've heard of, um, you know, pools of water appearing and water running down walls or dripping from ceilings, but nothing that is comparable to, to that kind of thing. I mean, it would be interesting to see, is it a a repeating apparition? Is it a replay of an event that occurred in that particular area? Has the house been built on somewhere where there was a flood in the past? Yeah, it's, I mean, Jen says freaky shit and she's not wrong. I genuinely, I, I genuinely do not know. Yeah, that's, that's up there with the, uh, the Pontefract poltergeist's dancing gloves. Yeah, you got to tell us about the dancing gloves. <laughs> and one of its favorite tricks was it would take a pair of white gloves and it would dance them around a door. So basically you would see the fingers oh, up the door. I don't like that at all. Go, go over the top. And then the gloves would just drop. Ugh. He was very, uh, he was very cheeky that particular poltergeist, especially when he pulled a was it a bowl of a bottle of milk over a woman's head who said she didn't believe in ghosts. Really? <laughs> okay, there's a lesson there. There is, there is. So, it, folks, if any of you have any suggestions for Jen, let us know. Ghoststoryguys@gmail.com, mm -hmm. or now nah, it's probably the best way to do it. Ghoststoryguys@gmail.com, and we'll share them on the show, and I will, I will send them to Jen separately as well, so she doesn't have to wait. Uh, but again, Jen, that's a head scratcher for me. I mean, like Sage seems like a good place to, you know, it's a good place to start. Uh, but beyond that, I just don't know. Mm, peculiar to say the least. Next up is Annabelle. Hi, y'all. I'm a new listener to your podcast and I've been binging it at work and on my commute. Your camaraderie is fabulous and your hilarity is always a day brightener for me. Whilst I have a few paranormal stories to share, they are all pretty straightforward and explainable, as they are about the horses on our family farm. I just missed the horse episode, apparently. Instead, I'd like to share an experience that I simply cannot explain. Full disclosure, when I was little, my extremely Christian grandma would have me feed the fairies in her expansive foxglove garden in the backyard. She thought it was innocent and cute, because I was a little kid and had no connotation with the actual description and activity of the good folk. I mention this because of what happened next. My father was fortunate enough to travel internationally, and when I was about eight, my mother and I travelled to meet him in Australia. I'm American and from Kentucky. At the airport in Australia, anticipating a lengthy return trip, my mother and I browsed the bookstore as we were both avid readers. Seeing as we were also horse people, I picked up a book called The Silver Brumby by Australian author Eileen Mitchell. The long and short of it is, this book and series that followed became one of the most beloved series of my childhood. I had an expansive library, even as a child, and I put them on a special shelf, away from our dogs and cat and anything else that might bother my books. I know that feeling. I was especially careful because this was pre-Amazon Prime and American bookstores did not carry these books. 
I had to order them off eBay and pay mightily for each book in the series. I am a chronic re-reader, and I have also a penchant for reading in the bathtub. As a result, the pages and covers of the original Silver Brumby were loved, dock-eared and water-stained. A few years go by, and I still read the whole series. I decided to start over and read them again, only to find that the first book was no longer there. I immediately fly into a panic. As I said, they're on a special shelf, and I do not ever move them around or loan them out. My mother helps me look all through the house and through each book in the library. She goes through her library downstairs and everywhere and anywhere. No dice. In tears, I begin the lengthy process to find another copy on eBay. It arrives three weeks later. During this time, I never stop looking for the original book, even going as far as to take off every book off my shelf and put them back. But it never shows up. On the day of the new book's arrival, I excitedly go to the bookshelf to finally place the series back together again. To my surprise, the original dog-eared water-stained copy is sitting on the special shelf right where it should be. In my amazement, I yell for my parents and interrogate them about whether they had found it and replaced it. They swear they didn't and said, why would we order this book for $50 on eBay if we'd found it? This experience shocked me down to the core. It was such a special book and it appeared right back where I had lost it. To this day, I have two copies of the book, the loved edition and the new untouched eBay edition. This has happened with a couple of other items and my mother and I were of the paranormal persuasion joke about the fairies taking it. Glitch in the Matrix? The Fae? What are your thoughts? Interesting, Annabelle. What are your thoughts, Paul? Oh, it's definitely the Fae. Yeah? It's either the Fae or a poltergeist. Yeah, I mean, if it was poltergeist, probably be other things. Uh... Oh, that's what I'd like to know. I'd like to know what the other things are that have, have gone missing. Oh, okay. Because she says this happened with a couple of other items, which is a standard poltergeist behavior, isn't it? Stuff disappears and then reappears weeks later, days later, in places where it shouldn't have been or places that have been checked several times. Well, Annabelle, if you want to let us know, uh, shoot us an email. Let us know what other things have, have gone missing. I mean, this definitely sounds like, to me, this feels like a kind of playful sort of prank type thing. Yes. I'd start leaving out milk and honey, though, just in case. Yeah, don't, yeah, you don't want to piss anything off. Yes. Yes. Get back in the good books. It's clearly testing you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't do what I did back in the day. <laughs> don't fuck it up. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we were so dumb back then. Woof. Uh, pardon? Hmm? You said we? Well, you know, <laughs> this is a long time ago. This is episode 27. <laughs> I've always, I've, I'm going to say, I've always had respect. That was my point. Oh, I've I see. No, no, not you. No, 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 not you. No, 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 no. You were smarter than that. We, we, we did not know that which we trifled with back in the day. We're smarter now. I mean, Eve, I was really nice about them. I still got ill. So just be careful. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Just try to, uh, try to avoid it entirely. Either the fae or a demon. One or the other got me. But I came back. Because <laughs> you got the middle name Damien. Well, that helps. Yeah. I just got Christopher John. Who cares? <laughs> CJ. Yeah, that's right. I just, I just sound like the, like the douchey boyfriend in an 80s comedy. <laughs> CJ, stop revving your Camaro outside my parents' window at 2 a.m. <laughs> Do you like black seagulls? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> You'd look good with that, eh? I don't know what I'd look like. Well, actually, I, I have a rough idea because I, uh, <laughs> s someone who's in this uh, social media group that I'm in, they they said that TikTok had started this thing where they have like an AI filter that will like a you know make a cartoon or a kind of change your process your face or whatever. So I was thought, oh fuck it, I'll give it a try. So I did, and in every I did I did it three different times, and every one it gave me hair, and it's been so long since I've had hair that it was just very hard for me to accept. It was very, very odd. And I thought, no, no, I think bald is, God, God meant for this, this skull to be naked and uh, you may as well just roll with it. Absolutely. I've been balder longer than I had hair. So it's when people say, don't you miss it? I've been bald longer. I miss the bits of glass that are still in my head when they come out, but you know. <laughs> I, I started, well, thanks to you, I started shaving my head every four days, which I much prefer. 
you 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 put me onto those those head shavers, which I did not realize existed because I was just doing it with a, a bic razor every time, and that's annoying and time consuming and you know, cut the shit out of your head. Stretches your paws. Oh, there you go. Does does it do that? Mm. Okay. Yeah, of course it does. You're pulling out of you. Pulling. I guess. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I still sh- I still use a razor to shave my face because I feel like the the electric doesn't get close enough for the face mm-hmm. shave. But not for my head now, no, it's 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 brilliant. Mm. Make sure you moisturize. Oh, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Annabelle. And again, let us know. Let us know what happens. Again, that does sound like yeah. uh, like someone's having a bit of fun with you. I, I'm with Paul. Put out some 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 milk and honey. Yep, milk and honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just by the fireplace or the back door or outside, somewhere where they can get to it. I second this. All right. Well, that's the end of the mail, folks. Thank you so much for writing in. We love, love, love hearing from you guys. If you've got a comment or question you want to hear read on air, shoot us an email at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Sometimes we'll also pull from YouTube comments or Facebook comments or Patreon comments, but, you know, email is just easiest. Uh, This episode, this is all email except for one or two things. And so, yeah, the best way to get on the show is ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. And if you want to send us an audio message, you can just record yourself using the uh, voice recorder app on your phone and email it to us at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Before we get to the musical guest, Paul, my friend, where can everyone find you online? You can find Mysteries and Monsters across all social media platforms, podcast aggregators and sites such as that, as well as mysteriesandmonsters.com. Fabulous. I'm Largely the Truth on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky. I've been using Blue Sky more and more. I quite like it. Um, Again, it's still invite only, but if you know someone with a code or you know someone who might have codes, I sadly do not have any to give away. Uh, harangue them until they give you one because it is much nicer than Twitter. I don't know if that's going to continue after they open the beta, who who knows, but for now, Blue Sky is a nice place to be and you can find me there. You can also find my podcast, which I co-host with Joseph Camo, Weird Together, everywhere fine podcasts live, and that is a celebration of independent horror films. The most recent episode, we talked about Freeze, the 2023 Lovecraftian Arctic epic. So again, that's Weird Together, and you can find that everywhere you get your podcasts. And finally, our musical guest on this episode is Greco Ray. The track is their latest single, It Wouldn't Mean a Thing. You can find them on Instagram as It's Greco Ray, and you can check out the video for It Wouldn't Mean a Thing, which is inspired by the film Evil Dead Rise on YouTube. And we will include a link to that in the show notes. We'll also include a link to where you can hear the song on Spotify. As always, folks, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with episode 162. And until then, we will leave you with our musical guest, Greco Ray, and their latest single, It Wouldn't Mean a Thing. Mm-hmm.